0: So this last uh, Friday, this is a couple days ago, our daughter-in-law Brooke was scheduled to go in and uh, be induced and have our first grandchild. Um, but if you have children, you know they don't typically. Uh, well, they start out their life not listening to their parents, uh, and so they don't come when they're supposed to. Um, they come, I guess when they're, uh, ready. And so, um, at five o'clock Friday morning, the hospital called, uh, Brooke and said, don't come in. Uh, so I don't know, somebody was golfing or something. And so, uh, they, they rescheduled her, uh, to be induced Tuesday morning. Um, so after Christmas baby, instead of before Christmas baby, unless something happens today, but uh I'm not holding my breath for that. Uh anyway, it's uh we're like come on. Like I've been waiting fifty-two years for this. This is uh let's let's uh, speed things up a little bit. And I like you know, I was thinking back to my four kids, and kids just they just don't they just don't pay attention. And they don't come, they don't show up when they're when they're supposed to, unless I, I realize unless your father is is not the human but is god like if god's your father then everything about your timing is absolutely perfect and it's not just the timing of your birth that's perfect everything about your birth is is perfect It's said that there's um over 300 prophecies in the old testament about the messiah about who he was going to be and where he was going to be born and how and the things that he did and the things that he said and all this stuff. There's, there's like, statistically, they've talked about how improbable it would be to have a single person meet all of those 300 plus prophecies. And, and yet Jesus does. And it's really amazing. And it's not just about the fact that he fulfills all of these prophecies written but hundreds, thousands of years before he was even born, it's little things. It's little things that that we miss because we're not Jewish and, and, and we aren't in the Middle East. Little things like Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem and we know the story. We know that Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem because Herod, he uh, issued this decree, and there was this census that was going to be taken. And so every male head of household had to go back to the town of their tribe, the town of, of their ancestry, and, and register in that space. It was absolutely ri- ridiculous that they would have to do this. But they, that's how they kept track. And so Joseph and Mary just happened to have to go to Bethlehem. And that's kind of how we read the story. we just kind of skip over the story. But there was a prophecy about the Messiah being born in the town of Bethlehem that was uttered hundreds of years before Gabriel comes and gives the message to to Mary and before Herod ever decides to to have this census taken. And and I think it's really neat that the the word Bethlehem in in Hebrew, Bethlehem is a little different and I probably butchered that, but it's closer really bethlehem means house of bread that's the name of the town means house of bread which is kind of cool because what is jesus called what is the messiah called in scripture he's called the bread of life and and the messiah was supposed to be a physical representation of the bread that the Israelites ate for the 40 years that they wandered in the desert, the bread called manna. It was this bread that came down from heaven. It kind of just miraculously appeared on the desert floor. And every day they went out, and that bread sustained the people for the 40 years while they wandered in the desert. And the Messiah was to come and was to be a a physical representation of that bread that came from heaven and miraculously sustains the people. Like there's all of these little tie-ins about these places and these things that Jesus does and when he does them and, and, and how he, he does them. And so Jesus was, was born while Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, not because of the decree by Herod, not because of their lineage, but because that was the right time and the right place for him to be born. And so we're gonna look at that story from Matthew chapter one today. Here's how Matthew starts in verse 18. the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. (laughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Woo, it's gonna be a good morning. Merry Christmas, okay when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And, and we're like, okay, Matthew's just like getting out the details, but there's lots of stuff going on in here. If we pause to kind of take it one by one and go, okay, what's actually ha- happening? Like, like first, this is, this is Matthew's account of, of the birth of jesus Matthew's like hey i'm going to tell you how it how it happened what what i saw what what he didn't witness it but you know my story from god's perspective but what he's talking about is more than just the story of of this guy who was born and his name happened to be jesus matthew starts out there by saying this is jesus christ or, or jesus the, the Christ. And if you've been around real life for a while, you know that I've, I've told you, when you read the word Christ in the Bible, you are to replace it with King, because that's how the Jews would have understood that. So if you read Jesus Christ in your, in your Bible, um, it's helpful, I, I do this, to just read Jesus the King. That's what it means. Christ is a Greek word, Christos, and it means um, God's anointed one or anointed by God. And so um, Jesus, Ye- Yeshua, God's anointed. And it's not just God's anointed, but, but God anointed kings over Israel. And so any Jew reading this and reading what Matthew had, had written down would go, okay, this is not just a guy named Jesus. lots of people named Yeshua in, in, in scripture, Joshua, Jesus, lots of people named that. But this guy is Jesus, the king the promised king, the one anointed by God to be God's king. So right away, as we read the story, we should have some idea about what's gonna come next in in the story, because you you don't have to be a biblical scholar to understand that when a king is born, big things happen. When kings are born, it's a national celebration. And so we would expect Matthew to, to follow this. Hey, I'm going to tell you about the birth of this king. And so it took place like this. Uh, dignitaries from other nations arrived. And people bought, brought presents of, of great value. And they, they laid um, flowers and baby gifts and stuff down at the palace doors. Like a national celebration to chants of long live the king. But we find out pretty pretty quick that this is not that kind of birth story. Instead, we find out that, that Mary, Jesus' mother, she's, uh, she's pregnant and she and Joseph aren't married yet. Like she's legally betrothed to him, but uh, he is not the father. At least that's what they're, they're telling people. And, and, and by the way, I'll just tell you, that's, that's not the way you wanna start a marriage. Hey, hey, Joseph, can you imagine that conversation? Hey, hey, Joseph. Uh, yeah, I've been away for a, a few months. Um, I just, I got to talk to you. <laughs> I need to tell you something. Uh, it's gonna be hard for you to hear, but I'm pregnant. And like, she's been gone, right? she has been gone for a while. She leaves and she goes to stay with her cousin Elizabeth and she comes back and she's pregnant. And he's like, what is, is, is going on? And she's like, look, like it, it wasn't another man, Joseph. It, it was God. Like, Joseph's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the Easter bunny. And uh, like, this this doesn't make sense. This is not the way that you want to start uh, a, a marriage at all. And like, if you're Joseph, you feel like utterly and completely betrayed by this woman. And in a culture of the day that like, it's not the same, it's not the same. This was, this was devastating. This was, this was horrible. It had, it had social ramifications that we can't even probably begin to to understand. And, and even in the best case scenario with Joseph and, and Mary, Joseph is now skeptical of everything that Mary says from here on out everything that she does he's wondering what's what's going on is she telling me the truth is she not telling me the truth what's really happening here like how can joseph trust her again how does joseph defend his honor in 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 this in this town in his in his life with his family? How does he defend his honor without destroying her reputation? How does he go and say, I'm not the father? <clears throat> like, like this, is a difficult, this is a difficult moment for him. How do, you, how do you marry her as Joseph without everybody just assuming you actually are, like however you protest? If he goes ahead and marries her, everybody's going to believe he probably was the father. Because because there's absolutely no way that he goes ahead with this marriage if he's not the father in that society in that day. How do you ignore your family and friends who are telling you this woman is trouble, you need to stay away from her, Like, like get out of this? Joseph is wrestling with all of these questions And he's wrestling with them because that's the kind of person he was look at the next verse mary's husband joseph they they were betrothed but this is a serious thing back then husband joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly so he finds out that she's pregnant he listens to what she has to say he doesn't believe her and so he goes home and, like talks to his family's his friends or what like. People are know that people are talking and he's trying to figure out what it is that he's going to do next. This is a huge, this is not what he expected, not what he anticipated. This is a total shift and change in direction for him. But we know Matthew says he's a just man. And so think what he means by just is that Joseph is just trying to follow the laws of God the best he can. We, We said last week that God has infinite grace and mercy for people, no matter how they mess up, who are just trying to live and to follow God. And I think this is the kind of guy Joseph was. The law of God... God's law given to Moses at Mount Sinai would have told Joseph not to marry a woman who had been unfaithful. Don't marry her. Like you know what you're getting into, don't marry her. God's law would have instructed Joseph to honor his father and mother. And so they're over here on the other side telling him, do not marry this woman, like don't go through with this. God's law commanded him to protect his reputation. And so to marry this woman would have have had the opposite effect. But Joseph wasn't just just. I I think Joseph actually cared for Mary. I I think Joseph was actually trying to live out the commands of God, not just to the letter, but to the other things that scripture said, like to honor the widow and the orphan and to take care of those in, in need and so Mary and Joseph, they don't have the kind of courtship like we would understand t- today. Like Joseph had every reason and justification to expose Mary, to, to haul her into the city, uh, city center, to the course the gates of the city, and to say, she's pregnant, it's not mine, and I want everybody to know it's not mine and I'm gonna divorce her and I'm done. And she would be publicly shamed and ridiculed. And that time and day she could have also been killed. But instead we're told he doesn't want to hurt her. And and I find that really amazing because Adam just talked about kind of trusting the story, this forgiveness that we have. Joseph doesn't want to hurt her even though she has horribly and terribly hurt him. I think Joseph is doing his best to like, let God write this story. To let God deal with vengeance and, and punishment. And he's like, okay, I, I believe that God brought us together. And so uh, I, I feel like I have to do this cause I have to obey God, but I'm going to do it in a way that doesn't hurt her. So by divorcing her quietly, he protected her from more public exposure. Of her unfaithfulness but he also protected his reputation by, by separating himself so i i think this is what he thought he thought it was the most loving thing to do most kind thing to do to to mary and then also protected his reputation and i think this happened very quickly i think he found out i think he talked to mary he talked to his family i think he's laying in bed at, at night and all of these thoughts are going through his head and all these things and he makes a plan. Tomorrow I'm going go to go the, to the elders of the town and we're going to get this sorted out. That night he's coming up with his plan. Here it is. Verse 20, as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Look, remember that, in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's trying to figure out what to do in this, in this situation. There's a lot of anxiety, causing him a lot of trouble. It's right in the middle of his thoughts. He drifts off to sleep and he has this dream. And in this dream, this angel appears to him. Now, the angel appeared to Zechariah in the temple, like physically appeared to him then the angel shows up and appears physically to to Mary not in a dream physically appears and has a conversation with her and tells her what's going on but with Joseph the angel doesn't have to physically appear he just comes in a dream I find that interesting I also think wouldn't that be amazing if it happened today like I could use that honestly I I could use it like so a lot of you know that we have a business for our son, Trent, and um, and that business has gone uh, better than we ever could have ex- expected. Um, it's gone so well that it has taken over our entire home. In, in virtually every room of the house, there are products and, pa- like, we have people coming to, to work every day of the week for us. Like, is totally overtaken. It, it, everything. So we work and then we go home and then we, we work and then we have other people that come and, and work and we've got to do something. Like we're trying to figure out what the next step for is because we, we can't stay in our house and continue to run this business. And I'm just like, God, it would be really awesome if an angel could just come and go, hey, well, I got an idea. Why don't you like build a barn dominium and like move everything out and have plenty of space. And that's a really good idea. And I could just wake up and go, okay, here's what we're doing. <laughs> That'll be great. And we're probably all wrestling with, with things. like, What do I do Do I take this job? Do I marry this person? Do I go this direction? And it'd be nice if an angel would just show up and tell us w- what to do. Joseph gets this an angelic vision. This angelic dream that proves Mary was telling the truth, which is good for Joseph. I I mean, it's kind of good for Joseph. The problem is it doesn't change anything about Joseph and Mary's situation. Everyone still thinks that Mary has been unfaithful to Joseph. If Joseph goes through with the marriage, everybody will think, that it really was Joseph's kid. Both of their reputations would just, would be, would, would be toast. But, but the reality may have been that Joseph and Mary's reputations weren't great um, to, to begin with. I I think it's possible that Joseph and Mary didn't have really great reputations anyway. the angel begins this message to Joseph by addressing him as, son of David. And I'm pretty sure that that's not a term Joseph had ever heard used before in his life. Because at this point in Jewish history, David is is, is not like, yeah, David, like we love David. We loved King David. He was the second king of, of, of Israel. And, and the Bible says that he walked with God. He's a heart of God. And yeah, man, he's, Man, he, he blew it, big time. But he also was a pretty good guy, and, and, and he was the king that kind of every other king gets gets compared to. The, the problem is that for a long, long time, nobody has cared about David anymore. David's sons were on the throne, and, and if you read... Um, in the Old Testament, I think it's First Chronicles, First Kings. You, you get this list of kings, and David's on the throne, and then Solomon's on the throne, and then Rehoboam comes. Rehoboam's horrible, and then they have this because it's like this king it does pretty good, and then this king is, is is another son of David going down. This whole is awful, terrible, and then this king wow, he does he's a little good in one way, and he's bad in another. But then the next king comes, and he's worse than all of them, and then another king, he's he's kind of okay, and then another king comes, and then, and then he's even worse than the one that was worse than everybody. I like, guess it's not a good situation. And, and then David's uh, uh, grandson, great, 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 whatever, super long great grandson um, are, are on the throne when Babylon comes and invades Judah and, and, and lays seas against Jerusalem. And the, and the prophet Samuel comes to David's offspring and he says, Hey, look, like this is from God, and, and you need to just surrender. And if you surrender, you'll save the city, and you'll save the nation. And you're going to get taken off into exile for 70 years, but then you're going to come back, and, and like everything's going to be okay. And then David's son says, no, we're going to fight Babylon. It was a bad decision, because the city is destroyed, the walls are torn down, the, the, the temple, the first temple is is, is absolutely leveled. Like it, it is a horrible, horrible situation. And when Israel does finally make it back to the promised land, David's line is forgotten. And Nebuchadnezzar puts in a new king and everything just like nothing's ever the same for them. And so for 14 or some generations, nobody has cared about David. Nobody's cared about his, his line. And so, so Judah, this nation, this southern nation, like they didn't even rule themselves any longer. When the angel visits Mary and Joseph, the nation is under occupation from Rome. It's not Babylon anymore. It's Rome has come and invaded. And they are they are oppressing Israel, just like Egypt did in, in, their, in their history. They have the same ideology that might makes right. And so they're there and they're ruling and they have no problem invading and oppressing others they deem less than themselves, and And then, so those, the Jews were no longer in exile in a foreign country. They weren't autonomous either. And so what happens is Israel's people, they reject God's plan for them. They reject his purpose. And they walk out on their partnership with God. And they begin to actively fight against the story that God wanted to write for his people. They become like Egypt. They become um, like Rome will will later be. And, And instead of a nation of priests leading the entire world to God, they become at a national level, well, they become pagans themselves. And they set up idols in the temple of of of, of God and they bring in shrine prostitutes and it's, it's a horrible situation. And all of this is going on when the angel visits Joseph and tells him, take the pregnant Mary as your wife, because her child is conceived by the Holy Spirit, just like she said. And if that's true, like we know this is a pretty special child. And so the angel continues in verse 21, she will bear a son and you'll call his name, Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet long time ago. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew adds, this means God with us. And so Mary will have a son. And even though it's the male's role to choose the name of the offspring, he will not be named after you, Joseph. You are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, which means God saves or God rescues or God delivers. It says actually a combination of, of two words, Yah, which is short for Yahweh, the name of Israel's God. And, and then the an Aramaic word, Yeshua, which means to rescue or to save or to deliver. And, and so God saves, God rescues, God delivers. This is going to be Jesus' name and it's a fitting name. Because Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. And then this is what the prophet said a long time ago that this virgin will conceive and will give birth and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. And Joseph would have known that prophecy very, very well. And so the angel is telling Joseph, Joseph, your Mary is that virgin, her son will be that Emmanuel. The, the prophecy about the line of David is, is coming back. The The root of Jesse, this is the promised king. This is the promised Messiah. And so in verse 24, when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he, he knew her, her not. By the way, whenever you see that, new, I, I think there's some kids in here. Um, New means wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Do you get it? He he didn't even know her. See me after, I'll tell you more. Uh, He knew knew her not. He's not intimate with her until she had given birth to her son and they called his name Jesus, Yeshua. When was the last time that you had a dream at, at night, you, you were wrestling with a decision, you had made a decision, and then at night you have this dream that totally against, goes against everything you had just decided before you fell asleep. And when you woke up, you went, I think I'll listen to my dream and do the exact opposite of what I had planned to do before I went to sleep. I, this is this is a big moment here, like Joseph's, decision to trust his dream is huge and it sets in motion just this a ton of stuff that's going to come later because from here joseph and 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 mary make their way to to bethlehem to fulfill that that prophecy because the angel's talking to him before they ever get to to Bethlehem. So he's going to go to Bethlehem. And then from Bethlehem he's going to have another dream. An angel's going to come and say, "Hey, you need to get out of here because Herod's going to try and kill the baby." And so Joseph in the middle of the night takes Mary and takes baby Jesus and they run for their lives down to Egypt. And then later, an angel appears again. And Joseph's like, well, he's right that time. He's right that time. I guess I'm going to believe him. They come back to Israel, but they don't go back to Bethlehem. Instead, they go up to Nazareth. And and Jesus, to fulfill prophecy, is called a Nazarene because he was from that town. Joseph and, and, and Mary, they didn't set out to fulfill prophecy. They were just living their lives. They were doing their best to follow and trust the story that God was writing, And so Jesus is born into a world full of nations that invade and oppress. And Jesus is born into a nation himself that has rejected God's plans and purposes and partnership and had begun acting just like the pagans around them. Jesus is born to a man who was, about, who was at best a skeptical about his wife's faithfulness. Jesus is born into a humanity that had given up on the story that God was writing and and they and they began to try and write their own story but because Jesus was born into the world everything changed. I go yeah but preacher um, nations still invade and oppress other nations and Israel is still rejecting God's plan and purposes and men are still skeptical and humanity is still trying to write its own story and and rejecting the story that God is is writing and I'm like yeah but the angel didn't tell Joseph that Jesus birth would stop sin the angel told Joseph that Jesus Yeshua the Messiah would just save people from their sin and so hope is is here because Sin no longer stands in the way of our salvation. It doesn't block us off from from God. And, And so I wonder, like, do we understand what that really means to us? Like we no longer have to be perfect in order to be God's partners. In the story that God is still writing today. Our salvation is not dependent on our perfection, but on our recognition of this guy, Jesus, baby born King, Yeshua. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to be his partners. We just have to be willing to let him write the story like Mary and Joseph did. Even when the story stinks and that's the hard part right cuz when the story begins to stink we're like hey god i don't i don't i don't know that i signed up for this like i thought when i became a christian i gave my life to jesus like everything would go great that's what i was told and jesus was born into into suffering into a difficult situation and his whole life was a difficult like his life is not good it was not a a bed of roses like it was it was difficult and it was a struggle Jesus was born into suffering not to end suffering but to provide the hope of salvation through that suffering so that we could trust the story God is writing I, I hope today that you know this Savior this Jesus who was born not to save us from suffering, the sufferings that we experience in this world, but to save us through those sufferings, to save us from sin, so that we can experience salvation in the world to come. Let's pray. God, thanks for your son, Jesus. And and and, and even though we, we think it would be great if Jesus would have come to save us from our suffering, like like that doesn't have anything to do with sin. Like we live in in a world, in a fallen world, there's going to be suffering and we are going to face things that are difficult and challenging. But what Jesus came to do was to remove the roadblock that kept us from you. And now without that, God, with sin out of the way for each and every person ever in the history of the world and ever to come on this planet, sin is no longer an issue for us. Yes, we still suffer, but we suffer with hope. and We suffer like Jesus. And we suffer knowing that that suffering is going to have a reward. It's going to pay off so much greater than we could ever expect. Thank you, God, for loving us, for calling us your children, and thank you for your son, Jesus. His name we pray.